to hear you, hear your word, worship you, be in your presence. Thank you, Lord, that you've ordained these times that we would fellowship with you and hear your word. So we thank you for this time with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So yesterday we started talking about the fact that you must put your faith in the seed. Your faith must be in the seed when you planted I was uh, we were speaking about it yesterday just to go over some of the high points I won't go through through the whole thing gotta get the tape for that you got a CD you can <laughs> you can you can get that CD from yesterday if you want the full teaching but we spoke about uh, how oftentimes we ignore the seed we don't think it's very important and one of the things that I know God's challenged us in in this ministry is uh, learning principles of faith and doing things by faith and this is a must do uh, for the believer uh, he's trying to get us on his kingdom principles and off of natural ways of doing things and I gave an example yesterday something that we all um, are are admonished to do whenever we have our announcements and we have a meeting coming up something special that would cost extra money we always tell people sow your seed for your you know conference sow the seed for the healing school sow the seed uh, because in that seed is everything that you need uh, to make that event what God wants it to be for you uh, you want to see I've spent my time attempting to do things by faith and not understanding faith and then when I got somewhere that I w was dying to get there and I knew God sent me there because I didn't use my faith there was always something missing it was a disappointment in some way I should have had more money could have believed God for more money uh, could have uh, taken my late husband and turned him upside down got some credit cards out of it <laughs> When you run out of faith, do these things. You know, that's your emergency. It's your emergency parachute. But uh, being the godly woman that I was. <laughs> of course, anywho, but you, you understand what I'm saying. I really didn't understand faith during that time. And I think we're all guilty of that a little bit. So that's why God teaches us, show us these things. And I, I made the mention that many times people look at paying for your conference by faith as though it's something of a lesser value. Uh, because you think that people who do that do it because they don't have the money that you have because you got a good job and you make good money and you can afford it. It's not about affording. Because if you're trying to pay your way through this life in God, you're, you're, you know, very, very much mistaken in how things operate. Uh, you must have God's permission. What, what that seed entails is not just money. It's not about money. It's about favor to get there. Time off from your job. Not having things backed up for you to do and then you just barely get out by the skin of your teeth that seed represents the whole event so look at your seed as as 
containing everything for God's successful outcome in that situation that you ever want to get. That's what's in the seed. And I think that's the part that we miss because we think of seed sowing as something that, you know, poor people do or, you know, beginners. It's a rookie move, you know. When everything you do in life is a seed that you sow in one kingdom or another. If you do things by faith and you do things by the spirit and you do things by the word, you're sowing into God's kingdom. If you just do things in the natural because you can afford to do them, huh? you're, you're stepping out of faith and you're stepping in the natural realm. But at some point, your faith is going to have to be developed because it's going to be called upon to do something for you. I don't care what it is. You're going to have to have faith to get get a, a kid out of trouble. You're going to have to have faith to to uh, move a political situation so that you can have a normal life. You're going to have to have faith to do something. And so I I tell people look at these situations as opportunities to develop your faith where it won't hurt you. You got me. It's I mean it's a low risk opportunity to keep your faith active and exercised. And if you will put your faith in the sea, God'll show you something. Little Miss Mr. Smart and Smarty, God will teach you something new. Open to you great mighty things that you didn't even know existed before because you have faith in that seed. So your confidence must be in the seed. In Mark eleven twenty two, it starts by telling you have faith in God. And we said that faith in God means faith in his system, his word and his ways. God has told us as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and hot, summer and winter, all of these seasons will remain on the earth. And that means there's always time to get a harvest as long as you sow that seed. Did you know that once that seed's sown, God is obligated to give you time to get that harvest in? The sowing of that seed obligates God to bring that harvest forth. He says, my word will not return to me without producing what it's supposed to be. It will not come back and say, gee, you know what, God, I ran out of time to get that for her. We ran out of time. You're sowing your seed extends your time here on this earth. Ask ask Caleb, ask Caleb and and, uh, um, Joshua. Huh? They took what God said and believed it. They said, we're going to go up and take that mountain that's a land flowing with milk and honey. And every other person, they watched their, their, uh, all the men in their generation drop dead. They watched them. They did more funerals of people their own age. And at the end of it, Caleb was, what, 80 years old? And Joshua was too old to even talk about. (laughs) See, when God say you old and don't put no numbers on there, that means you old. And so Joshua and Caleb came out and they received that that property. They received their land because they refused to give up on the seed. They refused to treat the seed like it was nothing. They refused to, to say and inside with everybody else. Could you imagine everybody else is saying we can't do it. We won't do it. And they're holding on and holding on and holding on. How difficult that must be. Think of the people that made fun of them. Same thing with Noah. 
Come by make for oh Noah, come on now. It's gonna do what? What is rain? We never seen no rain here before, whatever, you know. And so it's one of those things where there will be opposition to you holding on to that and opposition to your faith, but in the end of the day we're gonna see who's really holding on to something real and who's believing something false. And so it's always the people who believe God's word that will come up victorious. God will prove out to you what it is is that you're holding on to is real the bible says those who hope in him will never be ashamed confounded put to shame embarrassed anything like that if your hope is in god it will not be put to shame you gotta make sure your hope is in god though it can't be in you and you can't be wanting god to show everybody how smart you are and how cool you are and how much you know him how much revelation you got but holding on to the word of god humbles us it does. It puts us in a place where we have to really, really trust and believe God. And so many people give up on faith, folks. I've seen it. I, you know, didn't think I'd live to see the day where I see so many people fall away from the faith in God and, and trusting God just in basic things. You know, people have to, you have to trust God with your relationships. You have to sow into relationships. Those are seeds that you sow. And and the things that you do are seeds that you sow. And you sow them unto God. And you have faith that those seeds are going to bear fruit. You know, I don't know the number of biscuits and fried chicken and gravy I made as seeds. Because I knew my husband liked them. You got me? And after a while it becomes your joy to do these things for somebody you love. That's when God really takes over. When you can quit despising it and and being angry about it. and I'm so sick of this. I'm so sick of that. You know, probably sick of looking at you being sick of things. And so we all need to grow up in the things of God and consider seed a valuable thing. It's, It's a privilege to be able to know that the small things that we do. Jesus said, if you give somebody a cup of cold water in my name, he said, you'll get a reward for it. My goodness. I mean, how much, how much can, could he love us to take the little small things that we do and cause them to do great things with them? Joshua and Caleb, two men were responsible for the survival of a whole nation of people. Joseph was responsible for the survival of the whole known world at that time. Huh? Just because they knew, they had relationship with God and knew how to treat the seeds of the promises of God that he put inside of them. So we're going to have confidence in our stuff in seed form, folks. And know how to recognize a seed. You got me? You know how to recognize a seed and not despise things. So we spoke about that scripture yesterday in Zechariah. I think it was chapter 4. Zechariah 4.10. Who can despise the day of small things? See, you, you don't know what is going to happen as a result of being faithful. To something you don't know the result that can come of things God taught me so many years ago how to value people his people especially and people that he would put in our path and, and in my path throughout life and and learn how to put a high esteem and a high value on people and treat them right you know treat them with dignity and respect um, there's so many people you know in this 
this type of business everybody comes up to you as the next great person according to them and so you have to treat them as though they're the next great person you understand what I'm saying you can't treat people uh, as though they're some people are, are valuable and important in your life and some people are less valuable and less important you have to treat them all as though they're highly valuable the Lord tells us we have to esteem that other person more highly than ourselves in other words get in there and see what you can do to make their life better get in there and see what you can do to help them along Get in there and see what you can do to show them that they're valued in God. Because they are. They really, really are. And so we can't despise the day of small things. We can't despise things in seed form. Because the seed looks totally different from the fruit. The seed is much smaller than the fruit. The seed needs more attention because of the size of it. Because it's small. Seeds may need a little more tending. You understand what I'm saying? Once a once a a, um, a plant has grown, it pretty much can take care of itself. You know, unless conditions get unfavorable, say there's too much sun or too too little moisture, we have to take care of those things. But after it's grown up some size, it can pretty much be self-sustaining. And so while it's in the smallest form, that's when it's the most vulnerable. The most vulnerable to attack, most vulnerable to to dying before it even gets a chance to live. All of those things. We have to be careful to look at life as important when it's in seed form. It's got to be that way because God sees it that way. So Zechariah 4.10 tells us when it's small, <clears throat> it will grow. If we trust God to breathe more life on it, it will grow. We don't know how. That's one of the mysteries of God's kingdom. He says a man plants a seed in the ground and covers it with the earth and it grows. We know not how. And so that's the mystery of God. So, you know, many times we want to ask God, well, when, how long, all this kind of stuff. But we know not how. But we do know it will grow. And if we tend it and and treat it, treat it like it's a full grown plant before it's a full grown plant. Treat it like it's it's uh, uh, in good condition before it's in good condition. All of those things. I was at a uh, uh, a fruit fruit stand, and there was a lady there, and she seemed a little standoffish or something. You know, she the the you know she owned the fruit stand. And I was buying some fruit, and then as I spoke with her, I noticed that she seemed to be a little hard of hearing. And so it wasn't, you know, and and sometimes people who are hard of hearing kind of live in their own world to a degree. And so I kind of engaged her in a little conversation. And all of a sudden she wanted to start talking to me about geraniums and how to care for them. And I would... I'd plant them and after a while they look a little funny at me and I'd look the way they look but I'd know what to do to help them. You know what I'm saying. And she said, see this is how, she said I have to go through all of these. She said they're all getting too mature. She said I'm getting ready to mark them down. She said, but this is what people don't understand. And then zeroed in to my lack of knowledge in that area you understand what I'm saying and so as I was standing there talking to her she showed me she said no you can't snap it off at the bud you snap it down at the stem she said in that way more will come out she was just showing me just out of nowhere she started this conversation 
And I thought to myself, I said, and she felt obligated to go through and do every single one. She had a bunch of them, like a couple dozen hanging pots with those, and they were all turning a little brown. And so, but she felt obligated because they belonged to her to tend to them properly. And I thought to myself, how many times have I bought them little things and they start looking weird and I just look the other way and say, I don't know what to do for you, you know, and never even tried. But, but that's part of, of being responsible for what God gives you, responsible for the seed. You understand? You, you just can't turn your head, your back on things. Because if we do it with small things, when we get bigger things to take care of, it'll be even more so, you see. And so God has his way of teaching us value in things, value in everything that he puts in this earth he wants us as redeemed people to appreciate those things so Zechariah 410 tells us not to despise the day of small things so I found this little article I thought it was kind of interesting uh, written by there's a website it's called Acts 29 review there's some some different stories and, and articles on there you know if you google different topics or things like that you'll find a, a lot of these some of our are on there as well but I go through sometimes to see what other ministers what what revelation they gain on things it's an easy way uh, to expand your knowledge uh, in the Lord but this one he was he wrote about uh, Zechariah 4 9 and 10 it says then the word of the Lord came to me the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple his hands will also complete it got me then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you who despises the day of small things and he begins his his uh, teaching says we who see the great eternal purpose of God are sometimes overwhelmed by the current condition of the church of Jesus Christ we share in the burden of the Holy Spirit to show forth Jesus Christ in his church because we share this great desire we can at times become to a great extent discouraged by what seems the indifference of God himself concerning these things as a result we increase our own natural efforts to attempt to bring about the purpose of God in this earth this has never worked and it never will what is tremendously enlightening about the scriptures the scriptures above is that a couple of verses before this we are given that often quoted insight that things will be done not by power or by might but by the spirit of the Lord it gives us real understanding and how God does things when we context that it, within the context that we are uh, dealing with. The context is the temple of God or the church being started and finished. Like we've talked about before, revelation of Christ being Alpha and Omega. It is amazing to me the simplicity of what is being talked about here. At this point, we have a type of Christ in Zerubbabel laying the foundation of the temple. Of course, that means that he laid himself as the foundation. Now, what is enlightening to me is that this is sandwiched between the scriptures concerning that this will be done by the Spirit along with the admonition that we are not to despise the day of small things. Here, I want to talk about not despising the day of small things. We we as Christians, out of misguided zeal, always want to do big things for the Lord. Consequently, we make the big plan, recruit, raise some money, and then want results within a week or two. 
while there is nothing wrong with wanting to do the will of God there's something wrong with the thought that is going to happen immediately in response to some emotional appeals we are always looking for the next big thing rather than to gradually faithfully grow together into the image of God that is in Jesus Christ God is building his temple yet he wants things to be done his way if it is not done his way he has no qualms about leaving man-made created works and contracting things down and and contracting things down to a few excuse me a few uh a few to start again that's why it was such a sin when David wanted to count Israel he wanted to boast about how big things had gotten he wanted to boast in the natural aspect of things rather than in God he paid a horrible price for his mistake Jesus never attempted to do things to impress men in the end before he died he had just a small handful of men that were left from his three and a half years of ministry yet on the cross he without hesitation declared that it was finished he had fulfilled the purpose of God that he had come to earth to perform I want to relate to you here a story about Sam Walton the man who made Walmart he tells us in his autobiography Sam Walton made in America that he never had any big vision of creating some great behemoth that the stores have become rather he said that all he ever wanted to do was to take care of the little things daily when he and other employees did these things the results took care of themselves see taking care of the seed I always wanted to be the best retailer in the world not necessarily the biggest here's the point the bigger Walmart gets the more essential it is that we uh, think it's small it, the more essential it is that we think small because that's how we become a huge corporation not by acting like one above all we are small town merchants and I can tell you how important it is for us to remember when we puff up our chests and brag about all those huge sales and profits that they were all made one day at a time one store at a time mostly by the hard work good attitude and teamwork of all those hourly associates and their store managers as well as by all the folks in the distribution centers if we ever get carried away with how important we are because we're a great big 50 billion dollar chain instead of one store in Blytheville Arkansas or Macomb Mississippi or Oak Ridge Tennessee then you probably can close the book on us Sam Walton in his chosen field did not despise the day of small things as a matter of fact he insisted that the company would be run in no other way this is why the Lord started things in one city and then moved from city to city as a strategy when the church began eventually unto the uttermost parts of the earth the ways of God are that we are con to consistently continually gradually extend the eternal purpose of God not only throughout the earth but throughout the age yes the earth is a whole field of our service but overall that is meaning a meaningless entity from man's point of view why we are all made of flesh and blood we have these earthen vessels that we dwell in that means we must think locally even though we recognize that Jesus wants to fill the whole earth himself Jesus recognized with himself Jesus recognized the limitations of dwelling in his earthly body that is why he tells us about his desire to get past the baptism that he was baptized into so that the era of the spirit could begin why is this so important when you think of terms of the whole earth it's easy to do nothing 
it's so easy to flee responsibility. The great majority of Christians without a doubt are to live and act locally. This is the secret of not despising small things. Yes we are part of something much bigger than ourselves individually and corporately. Yes we are part of something much bigger than the neighborhoods we live in. It's like when you hear someone in the world that is boasting about being a citizen of the world. What is actually meant is that they are a citizen of nothing committed to nowhere and nobody. The bride of Christ as she is revealed coming down out of heaven is great to behold. That is something big. That is the fulfillment of the eternal purpose of God being manifest in the earth. It encompasses all generations and all believers that will ever live. Think about the context of what's happened here though. This is talked about at the end of the letter that John has written to who? Yea, a number of local churches. In the day-to-day outworking of our faith, we need to see that great the great fulfillment of God's eternal purpose that is truly something that is huge. This is shown forth by the measurements that are taken of its size. One of the reasons this is revealed to us is that our steady faithfulness to God in the daily little things is eventually rewarded with great satisfaction of God's heart. We must grow into faithfulness in little things, whether it's our daily vocations, marriages, child raising, business dealings, fellowships with one another amidst the myriad of things that we encounter in the environment that we may find ourselves in. So not only are we not to despise the day of small things, rather we are to embrace them as a way of life. So this is the wisdom that he has on that scripture and I think it's fitting because if we value things even when they're small even in seed form they it, it's the it's the attitude the value the spirit that we place into these things that causes them to grow causes them to grow the way God wants them to grow and causes them to have the quality that God wants them to have God is very much interested in quality that's by why he tells us we are called to conform to the image of Christ. He doesn't tell us we're called to do great things. We're called to conform to Christ's image. So in order to appreciate that, I think we have to appreciate the great and the small things that God would have us to do. We would have to appreciate the big and the little things that he would have us to do. It's wonderful. I, I, I love the, the crusade type ministries where they'll get thousands of people saved and thousands of people healed but saved and healed into what they have to be saved and healed into relationship with God and that has to be nurtured in the small situations the one-on-one uh, the the situations where somebody who has a difficulty can call a minister or can call a more mature saint and get prayer and get understanding and get clarification so there's big and there's small in God kingdom and there's one's not more important than the other but I think if we value the seed then we'll be able to to get a good picture of how God values things one of the problems with with our society where abortion is concerned is that people don't value the seed they look at that baby in the womb as a question mark they're not sure nobody can agree if it's a real uh, life or it's not a real life 
But it is a real life. And we know it's a real life. Because we understand the value of every seed. It's a real life. The, the, the minute conception starts is where life starts. Because if you leave it alone and not interrupt it, it will grow. Just like a plant grows. So if you can see value in a seed that you would plant for a tree... You know, all the people want to go out, let's plant more trees and, you know, take care of the earth. You know, you wouldn't know how to start taking care of the earth. You got me? You're not God. And so we have to understand that that, that God sees value in all of creation, no matter what form it is. So I thought we'd pick up today and talk some about the warfare over the seed, because that's an important aspect of it. God's seed is royal seed you need to know that in second chronicles chapter 22 and verse 10 this is subsequent these situations happen subsequent to solomon's uh, rule in in um in the nation of israel at, at that time it was divided into two kingdoms a northern and a southern kingdom and it was civil war and there were takeovers and all of these things and so uh, there's been some children that were in line to be king of israel and they've been murdered and the mother it says in second uh, chronicles 22 10 but when athaliah the mother of ahaziah saw that her son was dead she rose and destroyed all the seed royal of the house of judah so there's somebody there's a plot afoot whenever you see these people acting there's some kind of strategy of the enemy behind this and these strategies are not for a time but they're they tend to be repetitive throughout history the devil's not real smart and he doesn't have to be all he has to be is subtle enough to get people to do what he wants them to do and so here he he uh, influences this woman to get up and destroy all of the royal seed. And that's something you have to understand that is is been perpetuated throughout the history of God's people. There's always an enemy that wants to kill the seed of royalty, kill the seed of the word of God, kill the seed of God's people, kill the the people that carry the power of God and the knowledge of God and who have the Holy Spirit. So if he can deceive us into number one not valuing the seed then he can get us to ignore it and it's destroyed. You see if he can trick us into thinking that that seed is is never going to happen it's never going to come to pass why should I even bother to pray why should I do or you get started with a lot of zeal and then as years go by you get discouraged and you don't put half the effort into the prayer and your faith as you used to so he can get the seed to die from neglect and from rejection and so we went over that parable about the seed that was sown in different types of earth we said the best ground to sow it is in the rich soil of your heart so that once it's in there it cannot be stolen out and if you nurture it through obedience to God meditating on his word and doing what God tells you to do that that seed will grow and it will grow into what God wants it to be in your life and so we had uh, I have a couple of examples of warfare over the seed some situations you're familiar with but we'll bring some different things out 
of them hopefully to give you an understanding of how to value God's word when it comes to you value that seed of the word of God when it comes into your heart how to nurture it so that it bears fruit one of the people <clears throat> I wanted to mention to you is Joseph in Genesis chapter 37 and it's in verse 5 It says, and Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it to his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. It's amazing to me that the person that receives the word, or the person that gets a vision, or gets a dream, or God gives him a prophecy, or they get a promise, may not see much value in it because it's so small. But the devil does. He sees value in it. And at the same time he's telling you it's not worth anything. Uh, because he's a deceiver. He can talk with the same confidence both ways. And so he'll try and get you to devalue the seed. And think it's not worth much. When when people tell you God's going to use you and, and you know do this and do that and do the other and doesn't quite come up to what you think your standard ought to be of what God would call you to. But it's valuable to God because he's in it. And if he's going to make you successful, if he sees value in you and he has singled you out to inform you so that he can bring clarity to you he can bring understanding to you I mean the word of God has that power folks it'll shake you up and put you in a different place than you were before you got that it'll change your life forever if you let it if you let that word go in and begin to work and do the work that it's supposed to do in you uh, that word will produce and it will grow into what God wants it to be the fact that God has his hand on it makes it valuable and worthwhile to begin with but it's amazing how the enemy can take take that same word that you receive that God uh, God really values you and, and used it wanted to use it to set a whole new direction in your life something glorious that he could share with you the enemy will take it and make it seem like it's nothing by comparing it with other people you understand what I'm saying? It's easy to take that seed and compare it with something full grown that you see somebody else doing. And so you can't, you have to be careful how you receive the word, how you treat that seed when it comes into your heart. It must be received as precious if it's God. Let me put it that way. It's got to be received as precious and it's got to be fed and it's got to be nurtured. So Joseph when he got that dream that was his seed that word from God that he got in that dream was his seed now how did he treat the seed well it says he told his brothers and they hated him yet the more question I have is did God tell him to tell them renegade brothers he is <laughs> them outlaws <laughs> because Joseph was a favored kid 
you know he was uh, the history of his 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 dad was that uh, the woman that he really loved was kind of withheld from him when she finally did have children he loved those children so much they were favored over his other sons he made joseph a coat of many colors and you know really made those two favored boys stand out and that provoked a great deal of jealousy among the brethren well joseph always knew that whatever he told the brothers to add you know just pour gasoline on the fire he could run to his daddy and daddy would take up for him see so that's what he was banking on the natural things to cover him in spiritual situations you can't mix natural and spiritual you have to keep spiritual spiritual natural natural so he takes a spiritual revelation and handles it in a natural way you have to be careful about those things you can't take a prophecy that God gives you or a vision and brag on it before people you have to be wise in how you handle it so we have Joseph here that takes his and in front of the brothers you know it's same old crazy stuff that he does and it gets him into trouble we know the story Joseph was uh, captured by his brothers he was thrown into a, a pit which was going to be a, his future home he just visited it for a season he was pulled out and sold into slavery he kind of gets a reprieve but he spends most of his life separated from his family mm-hmm. separated from his family and this wasn't new the dad had already separated him apart from his brothers so there was this rift between them that had been there all along and that rift is very all of these things have to be repaired by God did you know God has a vision to repair all relationships that can be repaired in our lives especially between family members and so all of these breaches and rifts he's the repairer of the breach he's the restorer of paths to dwell in he's a restorer of peace among men and so when this rift comes in that family God sees this and he has to set apart set uh, a foot a plan to restore this rift because it's going to be a very important for the survival of the nation of Israel you have no clue of the ultimate end of some of these seeds that God plants in your heart you don't have a clue as to to what they may do if they're nurtured properly and they're cared for so that's Joseph's way of handling the seed of the word of God that came into his heart that talked about his destiny. In Matthew chapter 2, I'm going to show you Mary. Well, in Luke Luke 1, in Luke 2, it's, it's Mary's story. But you need to know that Mary took that seed that the angel gave her, that told her that she would be the mother of the Messiah. And the Bible says she pondered it in her heart. She didn't run off and tell anybody. Let me find that first because I was thinking this other thing was. I'll keep my hand in Matthew 2 and go over. I think it's Luke 1. And Luke 1 chapter, I guess, uh, I'm sorry, verse 
31 the angel said you shall conceive in your womb bring forth a son and call his name Jesus he shall be great be called the son of the highest the Lord shall give him the throne of his father David he'll reign over the house of Jacob forever I mean that's quite a prophecy I don't know of anybody in the Bible that's received anything like that. Mary said to the angel, How shall I know this thing? I know not a man. The angel answered and said, The Holy Ghost shall come upon you. The power of the highest shall overshadow you. And this holy thing that will she be born of you will be or the holy one that shall come of you shall be called the Son of God. Your cousin Elizabeth is also conceived, and it's she's in the sixth month, and she was called barren, so here this curse of barrenness is broken off of their family. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaiden of the Lord, let me let it be unto me according to the, your, your word. And the angel departed. So she took that word inside of her and says, Okay, God, let this happen. I'm not going to stand in the way of this word coming to pass. She later went and, and talked to Elizabeth. And Elizabeth confirmed that she was with child. Men. And so Mary does nothing other than magnify the Lord. It doesn't say she went and told anybody. It doesn't say she she went and, and did anything and told anybody about anything. She just kept these things. But that was a pattern with her. She kept a many things to herself and just when the Bible says pondered them in her heart, I think that's very important because she kept them in the secret place where they could be nurtured, where they could grow, and where they could develop. That's where the word, the seed of the word of God develops is in our hearts. It does not develop in our words, broadcasting it out to other people, telling everybody or playing the prophecy. If you get it on a tape, play it over and over for other people to hear. It's for you to hide in your heart where it can grow and it can develop into what what, what God wants it to develop into. So both of them valued the seed. Joseph valued the seed in a different way than Mary did. Mary was humbled by her experience with the angel. She made she was she was uh, valued she valued it even though she could expect some difficulties to come as a result of obedience and keeping that seed and not rejecting it. You know, she could have said, "You know what, God, I'm <laughs> Let me think about this. You know what I'm saying. And many people do. They, they don't want what God has for them. They don't want to be called to do anything. I don't know the, the men ministers who live in fear of their wives because they let the wife get the upper hand some way on them. And they're in ministry. You know, I know men who are very unhappy in their marriages because the wife threatens to leave them all the time. Tear up the church. You know, I don't like this. And, I, and they live as, as in fear of that whole thing crumbling apart. And they wind up just allowing her. I know men have made their wives pastors because they were scared of them. They make them co-pastors, prophetess. They put any kind of handle and title on them that they want to because they live in fear of them. I'll grow up. I'm telling the truth, Pastor Mary. Yeah. Yeah, sure. That's why it's so very important to be obedient to God and trust God. You understand what I'm saying? Give Eric, don't let anybody extort from you some kind of behavior and threaten to destroy what God's doing in your life. They don't have that kind of power. 
And you need to find out they don't as soon as you can. That's the way I like to put it. Just put it to the test. Huh? I remember my husband didn't want me doing this, didn't want me to. I said, well, God, you better talk to him because you told me to do it. And I'm planning to do it. So you're going to have to get that straightened out. That's between you and him. That was not my problem. And sure enough, God would get it straightened out for me every single time until he learned. See, sometimes people have to learn these things. They have to learn how to treat the ministry. They have to learn how to treat the person that's in charge. They have to learn these things. And so God's the best teacher that there ever could be. But I don't believe in in moving because your wife don't like this weather and you know she wants to go here and wants to go there and you know you got to disband a church because she's unhappy come on folks Hmm? where's my song anyway (laughs) try a little (laughs) yeah she getting weary (laughs) praise the lord <laughs> Praise God. I mean you you gotta you gotta understand what God puts in you is of high value and the devil will use anybody he can to stop the seed from coming to pass the way God wants it to it. You got me? He'll do it. Sometimes you'll find, uh, you know, uh, some of those women that want to have a big church and they push the men to keep, you know, increasing, increasing, increasing. Or want to be the first lady, you know, when that ain't good enough, they want to be first something else. So you have to be careful about these things when you're protecting the seed. You hide it in your heart. You keep meditating on it. You keep feeding it the word. You keep doing what God tells you to do. And you don't let fear come in and start ruling your life because you're afraid you know don't be manipulated in your relationships let God have full sway so there is a plot to destroy both seeds there's a plot to destroy Joseph and there's a plot to destroy Mary's seed before it even gets born and in Matthew chapter 2 we see the wisdom of Joseph her espoused husband Thank God for women who follow godly principles in their personal life to get married. Because Joseph is a godly man just like Mary is a godly woman. Mm -hmm. How many people throw away their life in God because they don't know how to pray for the correct person or be the correct person themselves you know if you're living below where you need to live in God you don't need to get married at that time wait until you straighten up and then go find somebody because the day will come when you will straighten up you know if you're going to live for God you're going to get straight and then you'll realize you married way beneath where God intended for you to be just a thought You know, that's how little value sometimes we place on ourselves as being God's seed as well. You know, you let the same old uh, thoughts haunt you and hinder you in choosing the person that that God has you to, to dwell with. So Joseph here is thinking he's when he finds out Mary's pregnant he's thinking he has to put her away or divorce her privately you know just go to the parents and tell them that you know this we've got something going on here this girl hasn't been faithful but then God comes to him and talks to him 
And he must know God because when he hears God's voice, he drops his prior idea. Hmm? This is interesting how God moves on people. But when when you finally do hear from God, you put away the thoughts that you had that were your own thoughts, your own way of solving problems. You disband that and you pick up God's answer to it. But trust me, God's answer is going to take confidence in God. It's going to put you on a whole different path than you've ever been on before, but it's a path of success. He wants you on that road. He doesn't want you on the road of trying to resolve things on your own accord. And so uh, Joseph then uh, uh, is able to hear God's voice after he takes Mary um, to Bethlehem and... and, um, to pay his taxes. That's a godly thing right there. Suppose Joseph was a tax dodger. He'd have went someplace else. Never would have fulfilled the scripture that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. Probably would have got him killed with all the other babies that were being murdered at that time. But he followed the law. Followed God's law and man's law. And he was able to wind up in the right place. And then later... Joseph, they were they were told that that Herod was killing all the baby boys that were born, all the the ones under two years of age, and and the wise men who were also looking for Jesus to worship him had gone through Herod's palace and were inquiring about you know what he knew about the prophecy of this king that was going to be born during that time. And so the wise men departed, but Herod wanted to know if they knew where that child was because he wanted to destroy him. And in uh, 2 verse 12, it says, And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. So Joseph and Mary were warned by God, here's another seed that they got to receive. Because seeds will feed one another in your life. Be careful of errant seeds. A seed that comes out of nowhere to send you in a totally different direction. You got me? The seeds must feed one another to keep you in the flow that God has put you in. And so when they departed, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream saying, Arise, this is verse 13, and take the young child and his mother and flee to Egypt. Be there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt. And there and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord of the Lord by the prophet saying out of Egypt have I called my son Herod when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men was exceedingly angry oh okay verse 12 spoke about the wise men being warned of God that they should not go back to Herod okay so here God warns Joseph in a dream and they obey and go down to Egypt and he sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and all the coasts thereof two years and under you see what I'm saying? You see how much the devil wants to kill royal seed? He wants to kill godly seed. He wants to destroy what God's doing. He'll use any method he can to do it. He's being successful worldwide because of abortion. It's the same spirit, folks. The same spirit. Twist the minds of, of young girls into thinking, well, if, if the daddy won't marry me, I'll just get an abortion. 
You, you understand like the seed is disposable. And we have to be careful about that thinking that it doesn't enter into our minds and into the church. There's forgiveness for people of any sin, of any error, but it doesn't make the sin right. Forgiveness never sanctions sin. It just does what it's supposed to do, forgives one of that sin. And so here we see uh, Mary and Joseph escaping and, and you know the rest of the story. Uh, Jesus was, was uh, taken care of. Herod died. Uh, nobody after that seemed to want to carry out these kind of foul uh, things. And so uh, Jesus escapes and is able to live and fulfill his, his ministry. Joseph, however, is a little bit of a different story. Joseph... Jesus, because he was not, he didn't have an earthly father, so he didn't have uh, sin in his bloodline at all. He was, his mother was a vessel that carried him, but he was born the sinless spotless lamb of God he was an unusual man the fact that he lives in us now gives us hope that we can live for God and we can live the same way he did so he didn't have the same uh, development I would say as a normal natural human being would have from his youth up he was always about his father's business he was always faithful to the father God and he had a relationship with God the Father that was unbroken throughout his earthly life. We know that from the type of life he lived and the fact that he was judged a, a perfect sacrifice to take on the sins of the world. But Joseph is a different story. Joseph is like us. Joseph needs some development. And so Joseph was enslaved and imprisoned but he needed to have his faith developed as a natural man following God. So he was not the Messiah, but he was a type of Messiah in the things that he endured and the things that he went through as a human being. So we're born in iniquity and we have to be processed through to our promise. God has to develop in us the faith and the character it takes to obey him. In Psalm 105, it tells us that the word, this seed of the word that Joseph received from God tried him. We are not trying God. God is trying us. So when the word of the Lord comes to us, it puts us on trial. That's why many people give up and want to walk away from the promises of God. They don't like the refining process that God puts us through to be able to carry what we need to carry in order to see the end of that promise come to pass. It's not just about waiting for something to show up in your garage or show up, you know, it, you know, it, Give, offering you a ring or something like that but it's about who you have allowed God to develop you into that makes you fit to receive what he has for you because trust me in the state that we receive it as a seed that's why that seed grows inside of us it grows with us 
you grow with that promise that God has inside of you and as you develop then that becomes more and more of you it becomes more a part of you very much like a woman who who carries a baby that baby becomes so much a part of that woman because they're drawing the same food the same sustenance the same blood the same everything and so it becomes a part of you and then you have a connection there even after that baby is born that you want to care for it still and nurture it still and love it and and it still is forever a part of you that's the way God wants his promises to grow up inside of his people to become a part of us to find a a comfortable environment in the heart of the believer to to be not kicked out because it's too small or not kicked out because it doesn't look like what they're doing over here not to you know not kicked out because it doesn't measure up to what we think we're supposed to have because we're doing everything I've been working for God all these years and I'm deserving more it's like the prodigal brother you know he'd been faithful doing everything for dad and you never gave me a party you know it's that that attitude is is afoot in people's hearts so god has to clean all that out he has to reduce us through being tried with that word and as you're faithful to follow up on that word and be obedient to what it takes to get that word to come to pass you are tried by that word and so in psalm 105 in verse uh, where was I? 19. 105. 19. Yeah. Verse 16. Moreover, he called for a famine upon the land. This is God. He broke the whole staff of bread. He sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant whose feet they hurt with fetters he was laid in iron so joseph wasn't in like a a scared straight prison you know where they got hot and cold running water and a sink and a toilet even though that's stark for our standards in a bed he was jailed in irons he was shackled in irons the whole time he was in prison when them people put you in jail they put you in jail and it says whose feet they hurt with fetters he was laid in iron until until the time of the word of the Lord came it tried him See, the king said and loosed him even the ruler of the people let him go free he made him lord of his house and ruler of all his substance see we think we hear these sermons about from the pit to the palace in one day yeah but he'd been down in that hole for a lot of years see everybody wants to get up there in one day but they don't want to be in the hole for all them years why was he down there to see if he would be faithful to still believe the word of God to still hold on to the word of God even though his circumstances were in stark contrast to where God said he was going to wind up He's telling his brothers, everybody's going to bow to him. I'm going to be in charge of everything. Oh, yeah, y'all going to bow down to me. Daddy, even you going to bow down. He made his daddy mad. See? Bragging. The seed is not for bragging, folks. The seed is for pondering in your heart, letting it stay in there, letting it be nurtured, letting letting it survive and live. 
because of the environment you have it in. You have it in a safe environment. In your heart is the safest place for the word of God. The Bible says you could hide it in there. And it will help you not to sin against God. So that's the best place for the word of God. And yes we're to confess it when we need it to work for us. And yes we're to use it as a weapon against the thoughts of the enemy. Yes we're to do all that with it. But those are spiritual activities of the word. Those are not carnal activities of the word. We're to keep it in a place of where it's precious. It's like, you know, the the family revolver that never gets taken out. You know, my parents had one, everybody's parents got one. Where is that old gun? You know, you know, you don't take it out and use it. But it's in a place where it can be kept away from things so that you don't bring it out every day you know you don't wave it at the mailman because you don't like how he delivered your mail you know them kind of mafia things we just keep it there as a weapon weapons are to be respected and used for the purpose that they were designed not to just threaten people with and sometimes the word gets used like that in religion it gets used to beat people over the head or one up people or threaten them you know that kind of stuff it's always misused and so these are people who respect the power of the seed and have confidence in the seed and value the seed when it's in seed form and so Joseph was finally released he said Israel also came to Egypt and Joseph sojourned in the land of Ham and he increased his people greatly and made them stronger than their enemies. He did all that because that word, that seed that was inside of him he knew was valuable. He finally caught on. I don't know when he caught on. It might have been somewhere in the, the dank recesses of the prison. But Joseph finally understood what was going on in his life. How do we know that? We know that because when his brothers did stand before them and they were hungry and they were begging for bread, Joseph treated them with dignity. He treated them respect. He tried to go for bad a little bit you know but the love of God constrained him to do the right thing you know it's like Jacob and Esau when they parted Jacob had stolen from his brother and when he saw his brother coming he was nervous and scared and in that time God had 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 taken Esau and changed his heart toward his brother he wasn't vindictive anymore so when God reconciles folks it's it's there's peace on all sides you know is this is something you can't work yourself he has to to work that out for you you know thank God Joseph submitted to everything that God wanted him to do so he was he was able then to reconcile properly with his brothers. I was going to um, read something to you from a teaching that I did on Joseph as as far as is um, uh, how to recognize the warfare over the seed and to be uh, in the right place and allow God to do what he needs to do so that you can be successful hold on to that seed let that thing grow in you and let God determine the time of the harvest you know it's you know I appreciate all the prophecies about your harvest is here but God is the only one who knows that you know and, and he'll when he when you know it because he'll tell you you know he'll he'll let you know all of those things 
so it says um, talks here about Joseph and I said this is Joseph's story he says the day of reckoning had finally come Joseph the 11th son of Jacob Israel has been separated for his family for many from his family for many years now and presumed dead by his brothers and father Joseph had been imprisoned by a dream that he had as a young boy so that any situation you find yourself in because you obey God's word like he was in fetters because the word put him there see that word the people don't put you in places when you belong to God you you can just forget about people and forgive people because they don't put you in trial God's word puts you in trial and so he says it he had imprisoned him by a dream as a, he had as a young boy the dream is one way in which God speaks to us in this dream is a promise from God that Joseph will be a ruler over those in his family a warfare arises in Israel's household over this dream there is warfare over every promise that God gives us this warfare takes place on several fronts there's warfare in the soul of the person to whom the promise is made and I believe Joseph's warfare I mean Joseph's imprisonment was to work that out see he says work out a soul warfare of the person to whom the promise is made there's warfare in the heavenlies to prevent this promise from manifesting the evil brothers amen and there's warfare in the flesh to incite those who will be adversely affected by the promise to resist its manifestation so like Herod in in the time of Jesus he was he was going to be adversely affected by this young baby who was being born king so Joseph has to fight on all these levels when he relates his dream to his family they all become angry with him how dare God bless you more than us is their thought is a general train of thought his family reluctant to see this boy exalted over all of them rebels against the will of God we've all been there some men can never carry out their ministry because the wife doesn't want to be a preacher's wife now that happened in Norval Hayes many men don't want to see their wives leave the home and travel and work for God so there's resistance from spouses when one is called to work to the work of the ministry perhaps your family thinks of you as some type of religious nut because you've given your life to the Lord they don't want to stop you from doing your thing so they say well just don't try to push your ideas off on me this level of warfare is very common if the enemy can get you to back down you will never pursue the promises of God or you will have a mediocre existence Praying on only a shallow gimme level of prayer that barely allows your needs to be met instead of fulfilling the high calling of God. The next level of warfare was the warfare over Joseph's soul. He was a Hebrew living in Egypt. How much should he hold on to his traditions and beliefs? Would God ever rescue him and bring him back to his family? Did he know enough about God to survive all that would befall him in this pagan land? When Joseph was put in a position of trust, would he continue to be trustworthy, giving glory to God, or would he fit in with the crowd and do what so many other of Potiphar's servants perhaps had done? When he was thrown in jail, did he come, become bitter because he was there through false accusation? Was he a godly enough man to endure injustice without complaint? How would you respond under such circumstances? It's easy to say that God would now not allow us to be put in such a position, but suppose you wind up there anyway. 
How would you handle having your future placed in the hands of unjust heathen? Would you just stand on the right to stand on your right to rebel and never go forward or would you humble yourself endure the injustice and wait for God to vindicate you and promote you sometimes it is your darkest prison experience that causes the release of your greatest gift while in prison Joseph is released into his ministry the gift of dream interpretation returns to him the same gift that caused his biggest problem now becomes the source of his greatest blessing it appears to be his ticket out of the problem of imprisonment the anointing destroys every yoke the last level of warfare Joseph fought was that of the powers in heavenly places these powers are represented by Potiphar and Pharaoh when falsely accused by his boss's wife Joseph did not use his own strength to help himself he relied on spiritual weapons it was this time that Joseph spent in prison in the waiting stage where God developed his character Joseph had been in a position to take advantage of his power in Potiphar's household but he was an honorable man and refused to repay his master's kindness with evil this is a recurrent theme in the lives of great men and women of God God tests us to see how we respond with great possession and power many servants disqualify themselves from promotion because they abuse power and position Joseph conducted himself in a godly fashion and saw any sin against his employer as a sin against God the respect with which we treat others will be given to us Joseph therefore submitted to his master's hand and wound up in prison for it it was up to God to watch over him and in due season would release him and God did just that when it was the correct time for Joseph's release God stepped in I'm certain that during that time in prison many changes had occurred in Joseph's heart see you have to have a heart that's that's that gets the bitterness out gets it because the dream won't be nurtured the seed won't grow in a bitter environment it'll choke it off and kill the seed and so that seed cannot grow if there's any kind of 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 uh, evil there's any kind of negative there's any kind of vindictiveness in there and, and waiting so you can get out so you know you can show somebody you can't have that inside of you it's got to be a pure environment before that seed will grow and it'll be nurtured properly he says forgiveness instead of resentment toward his brethren had been established forgiveness toward his boss and his wife had been established purity had come into his heart he had many of his why me questions answered by God an acceptance of the full scope of his call had come to him and he was able to receive good and bad at the hand of God I mean when you're a servant of God some bad things are going to happen to you but God says what he delivers us out of them all and so he says he was now a peaceful man who had a new purpose established in his heart he was no longer boastful about his dreams and his ministry he was a true servant and he was finally a minister so Joseph was promoted to the highest position in Egypt except for that of Pharaoh he is trusted because God is with him it's evident in his supernatural gifts and abilities these abilities command respect from all who come into contact with him and they bow to him the dream appears close to being a reality when a famine breaks out in Cain and his homeland Joseph again sees his brethren they are all in need of of um, 
They are all in need and ask Joseph for food. This is the biggest test of his life. It was perhaps hard resisting Potiphar's wife as she nagged him every day to sleep with him. His integrity and sense of justice kept him from sin because this woman did not belong to him. He had no right to her and it would be an insult to his boss to betray him like that. This case, however, is different. Here he's confronted with men who have wronged him. It would be in his rights to refuse men and seek retaliation. Should he exact restitution or should he show mercy? Mercy is the highest form of love. It is given for no reason to those who deserve it least. Mercy is the driving force behind all revivals and harvests. Though solely tempted to judge his brethren, sorely tempted to judge his brethren with their futures and lives under his control, Joseph chose mercy and blessed his brothers. The dream had come to pass. When Joseph's father heard this, his heart revived and he was a new man. This was the start of the Jubilee blessing in the nation of Israel. From that day forward, they had a time when reconciliation, forgiveness was passed out according you know to whomever it was indiscriminate the 50th year was always the year jubilee where debts were forgiven and people were reconciled brought back to their homes brought back to their land all of that stuff was given back they were given a new start in god so joseph had in this seed where he only saw part of it he he took a picture a snapshot of everybody bowing to him but there was much more in the picture that he didn't see and this is what God needs us to understand when he gives us a prophecy or gives us a word or gives us a dream or enlightens a scripture to us that that seed has so much more in it than we will ever know Joseph never saw himself second in command in Egypt he didn't know that part of the dream was coming he never saw himself having to administer over the the natural lives of everybody if it if Joseph woke up and decided everybody got no food they got no food because nobody could change that decree but the Pharaoh himself and so when God has called us to these great things they always start out very very small that's why you got to respect the seed because you don't know the full extent of what's in it you don't know the full extent of what's in your purpose you don't know the full extent of what's in your gift you don't know the full extent of what's in your ministry and where it will go if you respect the seed and allow God to have full control over it Joseph tried to get out of prison ahead of time Remember he told the the baker whoever it was that his life got spared one of them uh, he gave him a dream interpreted their dreams one of them's life was spared and the other one went to the gallows and he said remember me to Pharaoh when you get him upstairs and the guy forgot about him until God made him remember. See all of these things are in God's hands and so great trust in God has to be extended so that we can see the end result of the seed. Don't get impatient with God. Allow God to work these things in us because we are so not ready for a lot of what he's promised us. 
but we can we can live in confidence and we can live in joy and we can live in all the benefits of having that thing in the full while it's still in seed form you can still rejoice over a seed you can still get happy over a seed you can still uh, have have confidence and peace about what's going to be the outcome because you know the end of the story already he knows the end at the beginning and he'll share what we need to know with us the rest gets enfolded along the way so God wants us to to understand the power that's in that seed and respect it and have full confidence in it that it will come to pass prophecy as a seed when we receive prophecy we must also value it in seed form we need to discern that it comes from God that's the most important thing you need to discern about that prophecy needs to fit into the overall plan of God for us his leading is steady and it's sure if the word doesn't seem to be consistent with what God's already spoken to you or what he's planned for you then you ask him what to do with it you know you can ask God what to do with these things he knows how to take care of them but we need to receive and nurture what God has given us and commit them to the heart and to prayer. One thing that I need to tell you about prophecy, you, you best receive it publicly. I am not a fan of behind in the back of the church prophecies and I'm not a fan of bathroom words that people give you. I think if if a word Jesus always did things publicly, words scripturally have to be judged by a company of prophets and in 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 the person giving it should not mind having their words judged. You got me? And so this is something a safeguard for you. But once that seed of that word comes in there then that word is to be nurtured valued and and uh taken care of just the same as any other word from god any other seed that comes so these seeds are of great value they can change your life prophecy can definitely change your life you see that in the word of god and it can change it for the good and for the better so we need to understand that folks about the seed but i can't stress enough to put your confidence in the seed while it's in seed form don't devalue the seed and only value the fruit and the end result but if you value that seed that seed will take care of you if you take care of it amen all right father in heaven we thank you for allowing us insight understanding clarity vision and guidance through your word i thank you lord that your word is precious and it runs very swiftly along the earth to help us to lead us and to guide us and we thank you for your living word father in jesus name amen praise god amen if anybody needs prayer you come on up to the front and i'll pray for you praise god